So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about whether the grass can be greener and how often it actually is. You know, in our first episode, we talked about what life can be like being defined by a job and a role and how it can kind of wear you down to, to nothing at all. Um, this, this is going to focus more on what the, what that grass looks like. You hear the, you hear the saying all the time, you know, the, the, the grass is, is greener or the grass isn't always greener. Uh, what about that grass though? I, I just got, I'm in the midst of reading a book right now. And, and in that book, uh, the book is called The Power of Focus. And honestly, I think I've read it before, but I totally forgot about it. But in that book, it opens up with a story. And in that story, it's about a woman in Colombia. Her name is Maria. And the reason I'm going to share this story with you is because I think each and every one of us has issues that go on. You know, it might be something going on with your job, something going on with your personal life, your marriage, your kids, your health, whatever it may be. Uh, but a lot of times we compare what our problem is to somebody else's. And I think that's okay, you know, because as humans, especially with social media, people like to air everything out and they do it for different reasons. They want to show you what they've done. They want to show you, you know, something they're going through. They're looking for sympathy. They're looking for empathy. They're looking for congratulations, whatever it may be. Uh, but this story I'm going to tell, I'm going to do it for a reason because it's really a worst case scenario or in that category. I mean, you can always come up with a worst case, but this woman, Maria, uh, she lived in the, the mountainous hillside of Colombia and she raised chickens. She had a family of four her husband had also worked within farming, uh, but had had a stroke based on a lot of different things that they had going on with the family, basically brought on by stress. Uh, they lived in a place that had no electricity. They didn't have a vehicle. They rode around on horses. The nearest town was five hours away. Of the three kids that they had, uh, one of them had brain damage. The woman, Maria, had had a baby and it died three weeks after giving birth because they didn't have really adequate living conditions. And so you add all of these things up together. And then finally, one day, she had that monumental moment happen. And I think this is the takeaway in that all of us, with whatever issue you have going on, I know we focus mainly on work, your professional life, but it could be anything. But sometimes there's that one moment where you said, that's it. Enough is enough. It's time to make a change. And her one moment was it, as if it wasn't bad enough to live in the hillside of where she was living. Uh, there was a terrorist organization living in the hills of Colombia, right near where they lived. And this terrorist organization would go in and uh, kidnap boys that were between ages like 10 to 18 and have them work for them. Well, one day the terrorist organization got to her oldest son and she sprinted and got there as they were trying to take him away and basically persuaded them not to take him and decided that night that it was time to go. And so she packed up uh, the few belongings that they had, her husband, the three kids, and they started a journey through the mountains 
of Columbia to just get out of there. She had no idea where she was going. And they ended up uh, finding a bus once they got through the mountains and they boarded that bus and the bus had to go through checkpoint after checkpoint before it eventually got to the Venezuela border. And she had to sell her way through those checkpoints because she didn't have any paperwork saying who they were to say, please, you can't have me go back. I can't subject my family to what's going on there. We need a better life. And so eventually uh, they got to Caracas and she met a woman and they allowed her, the family to stay with her in Caracas uh, for a period of time. And she was applying for refugee status in a number of different countries and got accepted by Canada. And they flew up to Canada and lived there and are thriving now. I, I don't know much more of the story. It's just a, an excerpt from the book, but the author says that as of the writing, which was several years ago, she was doing well. So the purpose of the story is this. You know, Maria could have just sat there and taken it. And so many people do. You know, I I, I think of you play that game Tetris. You know, I remember playing that as a kid. And you could sit there for hours and connect the blocks and build lines and have the lines disappear and get points for it. And there's a point in Tetris where the blocks and the lines and all of the shapes don't align. And once one falls out of place, it starts an avalanche that starts to crush you. And eventually the game is over. Well, I think if you if you think of a lot of people's situations, it's like that. You know, you make one wrong decision with a block. And suddenly another wrong decision comes be right after that. And now they start to snowball. You know, you, you made the wrong decision to take the wrong job. You made a decision like I did to go out on your own. Uh, you made a decision to move somewhere and it didn't work the way that you thought it would. And then all the other things compound on top of it. So in Maria's situation, you know, she just couldn't take that anymore. And I think Maria's story can resonate, even though it is extreme, with the best of us, you know, absolutely almost every one of us is going to have that moment of when her son was taken by that group and she said that enough is enough. I need to do it. So it comes back to this, you know, is that grass greener? Was the grass greener for Maria and her family? Absolutely. You know, she got out of that area. She, through a very tough journey, ended up in Canada. And so that's the question I want everybody to think about today. Is the grass greener? I share that story with Maria to hopefully impact you in a way that if you are going through something tough and you're punishing yourself and you don't want to be in that situation, then where is your moment? What does that time look like that you say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to make something happen. And that, you know, that is step one. Step two is the journey that's going to take place in between that. Okay, sure. You know, I'm overweight. I made the decision one day, I'm going to lose the weight. Great. You made the statement. But now the second step is now I need to get in and do the work. So how do we do that? Uh, I want to focus on just staying with that question and looking at, you know, I need to make a decision. Okay. And that decision is going to guide something that I'm trying to do. So, you know, let, let's go back and we could do this any number of ways, but let's focus on the job thing. Let's just stay with the job for a second. And, you know, you're in a job 
you've been thinking about, hey, do I want to go out on my own? Do I want to stay in what I'm doing? Do I want to do, do a different corporate job? You know, is it, do I want to just stay home and, and raise my kids? You know, let's make that decision and let's think it through. I would say the biggest thing I would, I would do is don't pigeonhole yourself into that job um, and say, that's who I am. You know, I talked about that in the last podcast. I would say, first off, what is it that's making you unhappy about the job? Is it financial? Is it you don't like your boss? Is it you don't just don't like the work? Is it your coworkers? What is it? Um, I I heard a radio show the other day, and the the host made a really good point. He said, "I have what I would consider to be the greatest job in the world, and even having the greatest job in the world, twenty to thirty percent of the time, I have terrible days at work." Because there are things that are beyond my control that I just can't get a hold of. And I and that really, you know, I played that out in my mind over and over. And I and I thought, wow, that's a great statement because it's rare that you meet anybody that says, I have a perfect day every day, or even I have a good day every day. There's too many variables in life that pop up that, you know, can throw you off kilter. So looking at that. What I'd like to do is look at different ways of viewing a situation. I did this a lot when I was coaching different people, and it's amazing the breakthroughs that we would have with it. You know, rather than just saying, like I said before, like, oh, I work in whichever industry I'm in, let's think about it a little bit more. And I'm going to give you a few different groups or lenses, I guess would be a better way to say it, that you can put yourself in to look at that. So I'm just going to use my job, for example. Okay. The job that I'm doing right now uh, consists of selling different types of technical uh, instruments, you know, used in a variety of in- industries aerospace, uh, infrastructure, oil and gas, you know, things that we need on a daily basis. So if I were to come at it in this first lens, which I'll call the victim, you know, oh, I, I work this job because it's all I really know how to do. And it gets me a paycheck and you know it's not bad that type of energy that type of language is consistent with feeling like the victim so if you're already feeling that way about your job it's probably going to resonate through the rest of your life uh to me if you find yourself in this place and everybody does you got to do something to snap out of it uh and there's other things i could talk about as we go down the road where you can retrain your your mind I mean, hypnotize yourself in a way. But to me, this is the most dangerous of all because this victim mentality leads to unconscious thought. And that unconscious thought leads to unconscious actions governing your life every single moment of the day. So I think it's important to realize when you're seeing your job through this lens of that victim mentality. Well, I need to do it because I need to do it. And you can even hear how how I'm speaking about it. It's a way that it just doesn't inspire much of anything. And I'm just going to, again, stick with my job. If I'm in sales and that's how I'm looking at my job, I'm probably not going to inspire anybody to want to buy a product. And it just goes down, that that Tetris effect of all those things cascading down on you. And suddenly, you don't have anything to show for it. The next phase, I think you know, most of my male coaching clients that I've worked with in the past, I think this resonates a lot with them, but certainly women uh, as well. And it's kind of looking at it from an anger-driven perspective. 
or in an adrenaline focused perspective. When you say, you know, hey, I need to get out. I need to put the pressure on. I need to go out and make sales. I need to do as much as I can today. And if I don't, dot, 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 there's going to be a consequence tomorrow, at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. This type of viewing your job through that lens could be good and bad. You know, you've moved on from the victim mentality. At least now you're fired up, you're angry about it, you want to make something happen. But the long term effects of this are going to be pretty dangerous. You know, every day, if you're living this way, <laughs> you're, you know, you're going to start to see hair loss. You're going to start to see your blood pressure go up. You're going to start to get real agitated with people that are close to you, family, friends, whoever it may be. And these are the people that end up working 80 hours a week because they feel like they need to do it. You know, I, I need to do this because I'm going to run out of money, because my boss isn't going to look at me favorably, because I'm going to get fired if I don't produce. All of these tactics are still used at a good predominant number of places that you work. And it's draining. And you're not alone. I mean, I've worked for my share of people like this. Uh, I've heard of many others through friends and other people that I talk to that work for people like this too. And it's tough to go on every day like that. Um, so where do you go from here? You know, I mean, a lot of people, and and even when I got into doing coaching, you know, people would say, yeah, but Chris, I need to make things happen. You know, I'm not going to just sit, sit around and do nothing. I'm not just going to let things come to me. And okay, I I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, you start to pop up words like balance and rhythm. Uh, a friend of mine who does coaching, uh, Dr. Jeff Smith, Jeff, you know, he really got into the word rhythm with me and a lot of the talks that we've had together. And I like that word a lot. You know, every day is going to be a different day with your work, with your personal life, whatever is in your life. And if you go in saying, well, today I'm going to balance work with parenting, with doing some type of hobby, with meeting with a friend, with going to a doctor's appointment, how do you balance all that? I mean, if you, if you look at the truest definition of the word balance, you know, you put one thing on one side and one thing on another and it balances out. But once you put five, six, seven, 10, 20 variables into that equation, it's tough to balance that. So what Jeff, you know, and I used to talk about is rhythm. That word rhythm, I think the connotation of it is completely different. You know that in a given day, you have a number of different things that you need to get done. Why not do it to a rhythm? And so that rhythm to me is fantastic because you need to find a rhythm that works for you, you know? And so establishing that rhythm is great. So it leads me into the next lens, you know, how do I how do I look at this? I'm not going to be the victim. I'm not going to get angry and fired up about it. My third one would be finding your rhythm and rationalizing why you're doing the position. And this is where things start to change. This is where you start to see changes within yourself because a good majority of the US population is going to subscribe to theory 1 or theory 2. You're either going to feel bad that you have the job you have, or you're going to drive yourself nuts to perform in the job that you have. But now we're going to move past it. And this, I think, is where the secret sauce starts to come in. The next place is you find that rhythm. And once you found your rhythm, what works for you, you rationalize why you're doing the job that you do. 
really think about that job, not just from your perspective, which is most of the time what you do in any job, but what is what does your job do for other people? You know, and where does that go? And you start to think, well, okay, I have this job. I sell technical instruments. Okay, and in this job, I'm making a living and I'm earning income for my family. And also in this job, you know, I'm getting to help better different different industries that are doing things better than they did before. You know, so it just starts building. And when you start to look at it that way, hey, the job is providing me money, but it's also providing products to people that are bettering their lives. It's probably bettering the overall life for people in general and, and on you go. So, you know, I think that's the, pl- the lens that you'd like to try to get to. The lens beyond that is really focusing on the second part of what I just talked about, which is what is the job doing for others? You know, I sell technical equipment that help different industries. So let's just narrow that down. I sell an instrument that can help protect the integrity of a bridge. You know, uh, so that might not sound all that exciting to you, but at the end of the day, let's say I go out, I do a deal, I sell a piece of equipment to a company that goes out and does bridge repair work. So these guys you see on the side of the road, you know, late at night, replacing spans of a bridge or replacing, you know, different parts of a bridge. And, you know, you see all the lights lit up on them and and you drive by it and you don't think much of it. But what they're doing is looking for corrosion. They're looking for cracks in the structure itself. And if they find that, you know, they make the bridge better. So how does that help you? Well, the bridge is then made better because now it creates a better road or a better structure to get where you're going from point A to point B. Uh, It prevents the thing from collapsing. If people are on it, it could kill them. It gives them a job, my piece of equipment, it gives them a job to go out and perform that so they can bring money home to their families. So it's just a different way of looking at things. Uh, The other thing I would say, you know, to just go one step further is the last lens. And this would be the fifth one. And this would be kind of more of a macro level view of this. You know, go beyond your job and take, you know, put your job in a much smaller place, but look at things from a macro level. So I get in my car in the morning and I drive out of the driveway and I see somebody in there cutting the grass. I see someone else driving by me in an ambulance. I turn right and I see someone working on the traffic light. Everything that you see is being done in a way to help better your life and better everybody else's life. And so I think if you can see that big picture, suddenly the grass goes from, oh, I don't really like my job, or I feel like I could be doing something so much bigger, or I feel like I don't make as much money, to wait a second, what I'm doing right now is not only valuable for me, but it's valuable for everybody else because everything has to fit into place. Uh, And if it doesn't, if we all just wanted to go be CEOs of a corporation or we all wanted to go start our own companies that are wildly successful, where is all the other work? Where is everything else going to get filled in? So I'm rambling a little bit, but what the point I'm trying to make is that even though going back to my last podcast, you know, you go out, you want to try to make it on your own, you want to create this big enterprise or do whatever it may be and you fail, you know, did you really fail? To me, it's more of a learning experience. At least that's what it's been 
for me. And in that learning experience, I've been able to go back into a corporate world that I didn't want to be a part of before, but now I'm looking at it differently. I'm looking at it from, hey, look at the time savings I get from not having to be on my own. Uh, Look at the money that I'm making that's still great. Look at the people that I get to help. Look at the other people on my team that I enjoy working with. Even if I don't enjoy working with somebody, what can I learn from that? You know, and may, and that's a whole nother discussion. But maybe I introduce something to them to say, hey, you know, what is it about this job you don't like? And maybe I share my experience that I went through to help get them, you know, come around and see this. So, you know, I I think it's all about thinking bigger. You know, don't just define yourself by your job and say. I want to go where the grass is greener. You know, look at your own backyard first. If it's a backyard like Maria was living in, yeah, it's probably time to make a change. Uh, if it's something you know that's a lot less dire, then you know that's something that you really have to think through. And I would say, and this is just another thing that I throw in there, but don't just make a that big decision in a super high or a devastating low. Because that is going to be really emotionally driven. If it's something that you've been going through for a long time, you should be unconscious enough at this point to say, you know, oh wow, I've been I've been dealing with this for years, uh, a relationship, a job, anything. You know, now's the time I need to think this through and make that decision. And if you come to the conclusion that, hey, you know what, I think I could I could make my grass a lot greener right here. I and I think I think you owe it to yourself to check that before you go and just think, hey, the grass is greener somewhere else. There's always been a thing that's gotten you to the point that you're at. And I think that's important you know, to really dig in and remember. Uh, I know countless things that I've done that way where when I was younger, I wanted to jump. Oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And to a degree, I, I still have that within me, but I've learned to temper it. And I know that this is a process. You know, everything we do is a process and and it's not easy. So hopefully, you know, today you come away with looking at situations, particularly your professional life, but whatever applies to you with that different lens, you know, am I the victim? Am I always the one that's putting all the pressure on me to get things done? Am I the rationalizer where I can take a step back and look at everything that I've done to this point. And is it a good idea or is it not a good idea? Or is it something that I could do better? And then finally, the two above there, you know, the lens of how is this helping other people, even beyond myself? And then the le- the final lens is, is it helping other people and is it helping myself? And how do we create that together? So, you know, I think that helps as elementary as it sounds. Sometimes it helps to hear other people say it. And then just go look at it, you know, from that perspective and and see where that goes. Next week, I want to take what I've talked about to this point, you know, the journey of where I've gotten from and to, and talking about looking at my professional life through different lenses and whether the grass is or isn't greener. Uh, The next key, I think, is really foundation. You know, if you have discovered even that, even if what you're doing now works, I think it's vitally important to look at your foundation uh, and see how that foundation is built and how we could better put it together to help 
help you sustain because there's going to be days that you get rocked off your foundation. And there's going to be days where you look back and say, if I hadn't built this foundation, I would have never done this. So I hope you have a great weekend. I look forward to the next podcast where we talk about foundation and uh, take care.